Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on KSCW on Sun City West Radio. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, our returning guest is Mark Lapidula. And joining me again is one of our fan favorites. It's Yale University's film professor, Mark Lapidula, and we will dive into some remarkable examples of cinematic mastery that reflect technical innovation and complex thematic construction. Mark Lapidula will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates July 19th, and the title of his Zoom presentation is How to Watch Movies Like a Film Professor. That is Mark Lapidula. You know, great film directors all have one thing in common, lofty artistic ambitions. They take on the toughest issues and most provocative social themes of their day, hoping to eloquently bring them to life on screen. Utilizing the movie screen the same way great artists gaze upon their canvases, cinema artists know that every inch of the frame offers a crucial opportunity to leave audiences spellbound by their handiwork. The most challenging directors disguise their bold artistic intentions behind the mask of easily accessible genre forms, often burying something quite profound beneath a story's glossy surface. This sort of subtext and the prospect of unraveling a hidden, encoded message in the fabric of the film's narrative is what drives some movie lovers and film professors to attempt to decipher what is really going on beneath the scenes playing out before our eyes and ears. That is what we will be discussing with Mark Lapadula today, because there is always something mesmerizing to be uncovered in a great film. Mark Labadula and I will chat about how he selects films which accomplish their missions by creating some of the most memorable and timeless moments and performances ever captured on celluloid. We'll talk about clips that he will share from You Only Live Once, Sullivan's Travels, Touch of Evil, On the Waterfront, The Night of the Hunter, Rebel Without a Cause, Birdman, Easy Rider, and other films which we will discuss today. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on KSCW via internet phone, Phil Professor Mark Lapadula. Well, Mark Lapadula, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. It's good to talk to you again. I know our audience just loves what you have to say. And this, I think, is going to be really exciting. We're going to talk about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation entitled How to Watch Movies Like a Film Professor. I, I love that title, too. It's coming up here July 19th. And so I really want to jump into the, into the questions for you, Mark Lepidula, because I think, I think we, we have, we're going to have a lot to cover here. I just think this is that exciting of a subject. Why don't you start by telling us briefly about your, your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, especially how you're going to be using Zoom to engage our audience. Okay. Um, well, thank you again for having me back. It's just a pleasure and honor to be here. Um, Zoom is really actually very effective for what I do because I show a lot of film clips from these classic movies to get my point across and you can freeze, you can then, you know, you know, let it then play as you talk about what the audience maybe needs to notice here, which they might miss if they're so engrossed in what is happening in the, in the sequence. And so, yeah, Zoom has been sort of a lifesaver for, for certainly for people like me, um, all my classes at Yale have been on Zoom since uh, March, mid-March of 2020. And through the summer, we're even still on Zoom. We're, we're planning to go back in person in the fall. You know, we'll see. Things are still kind of 
a bit uncertain on that front. But um, I love a live audience. I love being able to be in a theater with people. But this is really the next best thing. And it is something that in a way the clips work even better uh, on Zoom because they're right there. You can see it. You can hear it better. And uh, yeah, so I'm just very thankful. And I do think that people will enjoy this on Zoom from the comfort of their own like study or living room or bedroom, wherever they are, wherever they feel like lounging and watching mm-hmm. something like this. Yeah, I could just tell in, in listening to you, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into these presentations. And I think that's spe- especially the case when we have something to watch. And when you think about kind of how to watch movies like a film professor, we're going to watch, we're going to learn a little bit about the the technical innovation that goes into filmmaking and and and, and what's what's kind of known as this this idea of thematic construction but i want to talk first about this idea of watching the films because what comes to mind to me is i'm actively watching and i think that's what you're suggesting here that we rather than just passively be you know kind of an audience member we think about what's going on here and we understand this to a kind of another level almost in the same way that people talk about active listening to music is that what you're suggesting yeah i mean it's very perceptive of you the the idea is that there are certain films that require much more from an audience member. He or she must be, they must be paying attention. You can't be multitasking while this is all happening, right? And so uh, we're not just passive viewers, we're engaged viewers. And the best filmmakers make audiences work a little bit to make these films, you know, fully come into their meaning. The world changes and the world changes us and and impacts us so that then when we go back to something, it's just not quite the same. So movies, movies are not like necessarily, you know, when you see it once and you see it at a certain time, there's no guarantee you're going to walk away with that same kind of reaction or understanding if, let's say, several years go by and you revisit it. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's like all literature. Oh, yeah. I, I, my father passed away three years ago, coming this October, he took me to see Easy Rider when I was a boy. It was the first film that just he and I went to together. You oh, know, we wow. went as a family to lots of movies. And and that was one of those profound moments. I'll never forget the film for a lot of reasons, right. primarily because my father took me, but it really had an impact on me, Mark, in terms of the music. Right. I, I'll just never forget how they integrated the music. And so sound is a big part of this too. The, right. the visual parts of, and, and I wonder if you'd talk to us a little bit about how some of these great directors, they, they weave their artistic intentions and, and, you know, they have these lofty ambitions to, to message us throughout there. How, how do they do that? Maybe give us a couple of examples right. of how, how some of this is hidden and we can be more aware of it. Well, I mean, I, I'm very interested in that experience you had with Easy Rider. I mean, what mm-hmm. what is it? Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing that you were able to be there with your father. And it was just the two of you. Yeah. And it was a movie that, mm-hmm. of course, because they're on the road, whoever these people are on the road are going to be in physically a different place by the end of the narrative than, than they were at the start of the narrative. And you, with your father, you're making that journey together, too, that by the end of that narrative, mm-hmm. you two are kind of almost in a different place with each other, a much closer place, mm-hmm. because it was the mm-hmm. one you went to him alone with your dad. What, what, are, what are some of the things you remember of that movie, um, that experience from walking out as a... How old were you when you walked out of that theater in 1969? I think I was 11 or 12. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and so my father had, uh, um, a motorcycle. He had an old Indian motorcycle and I think that's probably, yeah, it was really cool. I never rode on it. He never took me for a ride on it or my sisters, but it was a big part of kind of who he was. He wasn't kind of this freewheeling guy. He was a pretty conservative guy, really, an Air Force guy. But I remember leaving that movie and kind of thinking to myself, this is kind of what's going on around us right now. We've got, you know, kind of this communal lifestyle awareness. There's the hippie movement, so to speak. I first kind of recognized that in that film. Right, right. And did the freedom of those riders or the apparent mm, freedom, yeah. oh, most did that, definitely. Was that, it was just something like, hey, they can turn left, they could turn right, they could just stay here, <laughs> or they can just, what, go north or south. It really didn't matter. It was just the, the experience of movement, of just going somewhere new, um, right? The curiosity of trying to find, quote unquote, the real mm-hmm. America. And what's so tragic about that film is that the real America finds them, right? Um, you know, the racism, Mm -hmm. the sort of intolerance. I mean, they just don't like the way they look with their long hair. These people don't know them. I mean, what happens at the end of that movie, it's not like they got into a fight in a bar and these guys remembered them and are pursuing them. They're total strangers. But see, that goes back to a moment in Crossfire where, uh, Robert Young talks about, you know, who would murder some guy who's a good guy who was himself an ex soldier, um, who would murder somebody like this? He, he wasn't, he wasn't rich. He wasn't somebody that, you know, stole somebody's wife or anything. And he said, no, the killer had to be someone who could hate this man without even knowing him. And so when it comes out that we say that was a good movie, Hey, that was a really enjoyable movie. Not that it was deep or anything. It's just enjoyable. That's a major accomplishment right? Because <laughs> there's so many opportunities for things to go so wrong and it could have easily not been. But when it's something that not only is really good and really enjoyable or really, you know, moving or powerful, but you want to go see it again and again, that you now start seeing more things in it every time you watch it. Uh, well, then that's the mark of something pretty, um, well, spectacular to behold. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen that often. Right. Not often enough because you can't get enough of something like that. Right. You know, not often you enough. never get tired of it. Mm-hmm. We're with Mark Lapadula. Mark Lapadula will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up here Monday, July 19th. We'll have links to where our audience can find out more information about Mark Lapadula's upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, the title of which is How to Watch Movies Like a Film Professor. I wonder, Mark Lapadula, do you do you do you group movies together for example do road movies interest you enough to kind of watch those kind of in a batch you know does Thelma and Louise yeah. and Easy Rider kind yeah. of work together <laughs> and yeah do- I, I why do you say that I do have a presentation that <laughs> can be multi-part and it's it's got it's called like uh, the story of American film or the American narrative um, our American narrative and it's broken down into social justice uh, the workplace on the road and on the road. Absolutely. You have Badlands, you have Thelma and Louise, you have easy rider. You have so many great movies. Um, that is an American genre, right? I mean, 
you don't really see too many road trips. I mean, there are road trips that are set in Europe. I mean, they exist, of course. But America, I mean, it, this country was just begging to be, right? Uh, you know, hey, the road trip, that, that's a genre. And, and a lot of times it's like east going west. But sometimes it's west going east, or it could be north going south, or um, either way, it, it's there's such a profound difference between certain sections of this country, just geographically, that it, 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 it it's it's wonderful to be able to visit those 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 areas of the nation. And in some movies that are road trips, in within two hours, we're going to be in all those places, but even in Westerns, like, uh, you know, there's a movie like the outlaw Josie Wales directed by revisionist Western directed by Clint Eastwood. I mean, it starts in Missouri, but then it ends up right They're They're heading down towards Mexico, but then they're in Texas. And then, I mean, they're out in the desert. I mean, the landscape changes. And so, yeah, so now it's been diluted. I mean, the, that film experience, maybe, maybe we'll have a new appreciation for things um, now that we've been away from it so long, we kind of took film for granted. Maybe there'll be a reawakening, and right, and we'll 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 say, "Oh my God, I'm in the theater, and I've got to really this is this is a special place, right?" And it is a special place because we learn so much about it. Uh, you know, again, ourselves and each other, and in in that particular you know venue of the theater, whether it's stage, you know, drama like on a stage in New York City or wherever or whether it's on a screen and you're in Memphis, Tennessee, watching something, um, you know, it's a special, special opportunity. And maybe we did take it for granted. Well, let's take a movie and maybe there will be a revival of, of some of these films and some, certainly some of these topics, because the, the one that comes to mind to me, certainly love is a, one of the most powerful emotions we, we see in film expressed. And, and I, I wonder if we could take a film like, for example, the, the great Joel McRae, Veronica Lake, Sullivan's Travels Ooh. movie, and maybe, yeah, walk us through that. What makes that film, so, you know, if we're going to have a revival of some of these great moments in film, what makes Sullivan's Travels so memorable to you? Well, I mean, you just have such excellent taste in the movies you are mentioning, my friend, but um, <laughs> I love Sullivan's Travels because I, I love that rat-a-tat-tat dialogue. I love the way that in the office where he says, hey, I got to go out and really find out what the world's all about. It's a single take. Um, it's like four minutes uninterrupted. And one mistake, they would have had to go back and start, you know, start again and reshoot it. Um, that they were willing to do something like that. Why? I mean, and they're, they're film actors. Film actors are usually, that's when stage actors, yes, are used to that kind of thing. But that, they all had to bump, bump up their, their game to a higher level. But I just love the way in Sullivan's travels, um, which, you know, does also stand with the chain gang secrets on the shoulders of I'm a fugitive from a chain gang. You know, it knows to stand on Preston Sturges who produced, directed and wrote the script um, with Joel McRae and Veronica Lake. They, they just, you know, he knows, you know, who to draw from, but it, it sort of, is the culmination of so many genres. Like in that scene where he's making fun, Joel McRae, the director, oh, those stupid Keystone cop chases or those stupid whatever comedy, mindless comedies, or this, this, that, and the other. And then the movie goes on to have like almost all those elements, right, in the, in, in the narrative waiting for him, and we enjoy every single one of them. 
And he finds out at the very end, right, that, you know, as harrowing as his trip has been, and it gets very serious. And there is a lot of serious and, uh, you know, moments in that movie, in addition to the comedy. But the idea that universal laughter, when we all laugh together as a collective, I mean, just how, how important that is, how rare that is, how crucial that is to almost our survival to make it through the, the hard times. Um, that, that are waiting for us, you know, outside this theater. Um, it, it's good to have a respite once in a while. It doesn't always have to be that you're sitting down and it's a life and death situation. Or, uh, but these directors are willing to go to these lengths for what? I mean, why? Because they're driven by something that's like almost bigger than themselves. That's what all great art is. And see, when it's bigger than you, the one who's creating it, then it becomes bigger to us, the ones that are kind of receiving it, that are consuming it, that are actually witnessing it unfold before our eyes. And whether it's on a canvas or a stage, whether it's on right, you know, on a ceiling of a, you know, of a, of a, a cathedral or, you know, you hear it in a concert hall or, right, it's projected on some big, you know, flat surface of a wall in a, in a, in a movie house, all of it means and can mean so much to us, right? I mean, we take it with us where we, when we leave. Um, and we, we, you know, as I said, we're, we're changed, changed human beings as a result of it. Well, Mark Lapadula, our guest today, I, I could talk to you for a long time. We could, we could talk and talk and talk about these wonderful movies. And, and I, I certainly have enjoyed our conversation today. You're going to be at the Smithsonian Associates presenting on July 19th. Again, the title is How to Watch Movies Like a Film Professor. It's going to be fantastic for all of us who are movie lovers, for lovers of the arts, and uh, all that you have to offer, just taking us on this deep dive of these wonderful films. But thanks today for your time, for your generous time. We sure appreciate it, and we look forward to having you back, too, again. Well, Paul, I'd love to come back, but you're the one that was generous to give me this opportunity, so thank you so much. My thanks to Mark Lapadula. Hopefully, today's show will bring a celluloid smile to your face. Remember to check out our website for more details about Mark Lapadula's upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation on July 19th via Zoom. You're all invited. My thanks to my wonderful audience here on KSCW. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And my thanks to all of you for tuning in again today. Have a great week. Be safe. And remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Until next time, thanks, everybody. <laughs>